part of the reason I'm working now on skiing all the glaciers in Washington was kind of a celebration of those backyard adventures. We don't need to go to all these other places, to the far-flung places of the world, to have adventure. We could have them right here. This is the Cascade Hiker Podcast. Find us over at CascadeHikerPodcast.com. I'm a country boy with the soft side. My heart wanders up north to the hillside. Now I've never made anyone quite as beautiful as you. I'm your host, Rudy Getzik. I'm here to inspire you to get out on the trail. You putting in two-mile hikes, five-mile hikes? Are you still on the couch? Come on, let's go on a backpacking trip. I'm going to introduce you to some folks that have done that and a whole lot more. Next on the Cascade Hiker Podcast, what's your name and where are you from? My name's Jason Hummel, originally from Morton, Washington, and currently living on Key Peninsula near Gig Harbor. Oh, right on, man. That's, that's cool. Well, hey, uh, I had a, a, one of my listeners request that uh, I, should, I should look Indian. I think, gosh, I wish I had their name written down, but I think they actually know you personally. And so, anyway... I, w- I wanted to dive in. I went to your website and I was blown away, man. So, but but I kind of want to back up though. Like, how did you get started? I mean, did you get started hiking, climbing, skiing? What? Uh, how did you get started in the outdoors? Well, it wasn't so much as getting started as pretty much a way of life for me. Um, when I was a kid, uh, my brothers and I—that's how we uh, started life. Pretty much was getting into the outdoors before we could even walk, our parents were hauling us on their back. So it's something I've always done. Um, ended up, you know, in Morton, Washington there. Uh, we moved there originally to be closer to the mountain. So we could get out and explore it more often than we could than trying to drive from the city. So yeah, it's been something we've always done. What about photography then? Photography is kind of a longer story. Um, for me, it started originally with my friend Ben, who was a fantastic photographer, and he would go out on adventures with us and we'd tell stories. Kind of one of the things we loved to do was go deep into the North Cascades and other mountains throughout the Cascades here and explore you know, steep ski descents, traverses, and stuff like that that people hadn't done. And we'd tell stories about it, and he'd take photos. And he ended up passing away in a kayaking accident. And after he passed, I found that I still wanted to tell stories. So I took up his camera. And those were the first photographs that I really began taking and trying to get better at kind of telling those stories through photographs as well as writing. Yeah, well, I noticed, uh, so I'm over at your website, myadventurecrusade.com. Is that is that one of your websites? That's one of them these <laughs> days. Yeah. I've, had, I've had several over the years as technology has changed. You know, it went from cascadeclassics.org to Cascade Crusades to now My Adventure Crusade. So it's had several different uh, lives, I guess. <laughs> yeah, so that's kind of what you're talking about then, the, the adventures that you're telling? Correct. So those are things that I've always liked to do is to share kind of how the mountains have affected or changed me or just experience itself. And I like to tell in a real honest way rather than, I don't know, 
it seems like once you start publishing stuff into a magazine or into kind of a wider environment, you start to dumb down the narrative a little bit. And so it becomes less enjoyable than I feel when it's just something I'm telling because I love to tell it, I guess. Yeah, I like that, man. That's that's cool. I like how you, you keep it raw. I mean, you keep the, the story there. Uh, because yeah, you're right. I mean, especially like a, even a podcast. I mean, you're just gonna kind of, uh, you know, go over some some short facts or whatever, and it and it does. It takes away from those uh, deep stories like that. Yeah, and so that's something I've always tried to retain a little bit was kind of that honesty and that passion for why I get into the mountains, and you know part of the reason I'm working now on skiing all the glaciers in Washington was kind of a celebration of those backyard adventures. We don't need to go to all these other places, to the far-flung places of the world to have adventure. We could have them right here. So I guess in a way, too, it's also a celebration of kind of those early explorers that, you know, like John Muir and starting the national park system and all of that stuff, these guys had passion for our own backyards. So I wanted to kind of celebrate that too and that storytelling that they did back then by going out to these really cool glaciers and places throughout Washington and in the end feeling like I could see the whole state and what I love about the state in a way that is easy to ignore because, you know, Oftentimes you get stuck going to those easy places or those familiar places and you don't really want to figure out how to get up a different trail or approach or road or whatever it is to these kind of unique places. So it was an excuse really to see more than I was. (laughs) Yeah, man. Well, yeah, because you're calling it the uh, uh, Washington Glacier Ski Project and you've been doing that for for a few years now? Yeah, actually, I've... Over the years since basically I started skiing, I was on my first glacier at two years old, you know, and ever since then I've been kind of exploring and seeing different glaciers throughout Washington. And, you know, when I was talking about uh, exploring new ski lines and traverses and stuff like that, I was also seeing new glaciers and other ones. But I found myself when I was sitting one day realizing that I've kind of missed these little places, even if it's on the same peak, you know, I've, I've climbed Mount Adams and skied it, I would say probably around 60 times by now. And yet there are still places I haven't been. And so it was kind of like seeing between the lines and going to those other places in between, I guess. So that's kind of what I was trying to do. So the project itself, while I only came up with you know, skiing all the glaciers probably about four years ago. Um, I've been tackling them my whole life. Wow. So it's more of a lifetime project. Yeah, no kidding. Like you say, starting at two years old. That's that's amazing. All right, we're talking Lux brand hiking tents, and I kind of want to do a comparison today. So if you go over to luxe-hiking-gear.com, check out the Lux brand. Uh, my last tent was the Big Agnes uh, Copper Spur. So I don't want to put that tent down by any means. I had it for, I think, 10 years, maybe 12 years, somewhere in there. Anyway, I want to say that I spent $450 on that tent. It was 2 pounds, 12 ounces. It was a great tent. But I just I just went over and got a new uh, a Hex Peak 
TP two-person uh, tarp-style tent. You put a trekking pole right in the middle of the TP, and then you stake down the sides. There's your tent. You got you can get a ground sheet. Anyway, this tent is where the the other one was two pounds twelve ounces. This tent is sitting at one point three pounds for just that tarp-style tent. So I mean, I did add myself. I added the solo to the solo system. Which brings it up, but uh, I might not be doing that anymore. I want to. I want to try to get that weight out of my pack. So this is a perfect way to do that. So anyway, uh, that's just kind of what I wanted to talk about today. Go over to luxe-hiking-gear.com and check out this Lux brand TP tent. Oh, and I forgot to mention the TPs are only $180 on the website there, uh, whereas I paid $450 for my other tent. So anyway, thanks for listening. What, uh, how far along with that project do you think you are then? I mean, on your website, you say there's about 212 named glaciers right now? Yeah, so it's kind of really complicated, actually, because, you know, as far as figuring out the names of glaciers and how many are within the state, there's a lot of, like, um, glaciers that are, have names, but they're not official. So there's a lot of unofficial names to all of these places. And so trying to come up with a kind of a concise list is, is more difficult than you would expect. Um, but yeah, somewhere around 212 to 240, um, you know, on the lower end for official, on the higher end for kind of unofficial. Um, I tend to be doing them all, really. Wow. <laughs> <laughs> That's good. You can you just put a number on it. You know, people are always like, oh, how many is there? Well a hard question to ask because you know what is an official source really well yeah that's true i mean source i mean i'm thinking about myself i can only name one it's a queast alb on three fingers and i mean i i imagine there's probably <laughs> some people there yeah i bet you have and there's probably some people that can't even name one i mean you know there are a lot of people but uh but in your neck of the woods uh in in the folks you're running with i'm sure that uh that there's a lot more that can name name some, but yeah, I mean, when you start thinking about uh, obscure places in the North Cascades and just, I mean, where there's no trails and you know, you're describing fording rivers and bushwhacking. Even that glacier right there, you know, is a cool adventure story. It's you know going there in the middle of winter and skiing right out of the lookout door. <laughs> so that wow. was pretty exciting. Oh, that's crazy! Yeah, is that on your website then? Uh, blog post. You know, I never wrote a story about that particular trip. It was just um, my twin brother and I and um, a couple of other folks. And, yeah, it was it was good. My brother and I ended up skiing out of the door, and the others ended up walking down and then skiing. But it, it was just a cool adventure, you know, one of those ones I just never got around to writing. But, uh, yeah. Yeah, it sounds like a great story. Man, I've, I've only been up there once to the top, and <laughs> – I mean, I'm not much of a skier anyway, but I can't imagine just jumping right off that rock. Man, that's that's amazing. <laughs> uh, not that bad, but uh, it's definitely a cool place to be. Yeah. But that's just one example of, you know, each trip and kind of the difficulty of trying to, to work on that project in particular is, you know, it takes thousands and thousands and thousands of miles to get to all of these places, but it's also the problem solving of trying to figure out you know, how to get to these places and where the glaciers are and do I still go there if they're extinct or gone or are they still around? Who knows? So it's kind of a, a fun game. It's 
like I said, an excuse to get to these cool places. Yeah, I think that's a it's an awesome thing. That's one of the one of the first things I saw on your website that caught my eye. Um, I was also looking at a lot of your published work, and um, one thing that I was uh, I was like, whoa! What caught me in there was uh, the local photographer has skiing streak of two hundred five months in a row. You talk about yeah, that. it's quite a bit more than <laughs> it's quite a bit more than that. I'm pretty bad at updating those parts of my site. So well, this was a, a, a newspaper. Been, yeah, a lot of those things haven't been updated in, you know, five, six years, which is kind of <laughs> scary. <laughs> Anyways, yes, uh, both my twin brother and I actually started our ski streak um, when we were teenagers. And I guess we were probably 19. We missed a month there, but we've only missed a few months since we were 13. Um, but we haven't missed any since we were 19. Wow. So it's nearly 20 years now. Oh, that's, um, that's just amazing. Was there some difficult, uh, months that to, to be able to do that in? Well, they're not necessarily difficult, but there's been challenges along the way last year, maybe the year before both my twin brother and I were injured in, uh, uh, dirt bike crashes. He tore his MCL and I smashed both my feet. And so we were kind of a, <laughs> just a real funny um, <laughs> scene of both of us limping up to try to get summer turns. Cause of course it wasn't an easy time of year to get anywhere near snow. So we were just barely able to get up to snow because our, my ankles are so swollen. I could barely get them in a boot and his knee was so shoddy to barely stand. So <laughs> it was entertaining. Um, probably shouldn't have been skiing, but it's it's hard, and we're stubborn to give up um, a ski streak that that's, that's that long. Um, so anyways, that was a that was a good time. Yeah, and that you're right. I mean, yeah, when you got something going on for that long, that I can't even imagine. That's that's really cool. Yeah, and there's other life challenges. I mean, every life challenge you can imagine has come up along the way, you know, and so, <laughs> so many chances and opportunities for that ski streak just to end, you know, where it's been, you know, the last day of the month and it's pouring rain and, you know, the skis are sitting in a car and it's like, do I really want to carry my skis 40 miles or should I just leave them? <laughs> you know, we did that on uh, Glacier Peak once. And or Dome Peak, sorry, and we nearly left the things, but we ended up at last second banging them and skied the that day. So, wow, <laughs> entertaining trip. Yeah, that's a that's a long haul up there, isn't it? Yeah, definitely, especially in recent years. But now it's improved, and that road is open, which is awesome. It saves you almost twenty miles of road hiking. If you're going both ways, I guess. Wow. Yeah, I, I was just uh, looking at your pictures on your website of uh, the Ptarmigan Traverse. and uh, Oh, yeah. I've done that many, many times. I kind of figured you might have. I was kind of looking, and um, the, you don't have a lot of the pictures of the glaciers. Uh, I guess maybe, maybe I'm just looking at the first ones, but, man, uh, it just looks beautiful up there. Yeah, it's a gorgeous hike. The first time I did that, actually did it in – Oh, geez, I guess it was just a couple of days, and I actually did a, a hike across it by myself and then had my kayak 
and kayak to Seattle and then my road bike and mountain bike and did a loop out of it. Wow. Um, and that was pretty exciting. So that was my first time on the ptarmigan. Um, but that was long. That was when I was younger for sure. <laughs> <laughs> nice. Yeah. Now the, you know, now that I've been scrolling down, you got some beautiful pictures of the glaciers on that, on that traverse too. Man, that, that just looks amazing. I, I kind of described it. I've never done it, so I don't have the right to describe it. But, uh, you know, the Pacific Crest Trail leaves uh, that area and it ignores the Tarmigan Traverse. Uh, but, man, that's kind of the real true Cascade Crest, isn't it? Yeah, definitely. And that's, you know, also another project I worked on for many years was skiing the Cascade Crest. Um, and I've pretty much almost, you know, with another maybe 10 or 11 days of work, I could link up the entire state on skis um, from one end to the other. But it's motivation to this point, up to motivation at this point, <laughs> whether or not I want to ski from Mount Adams to the Columbia. You know, I need somebody who uh, enjoys road skiing to, to join me for that day. <laughs> oh, man. Well, so maybe I'll get inspired here one day. Yeah, well, and uh, and also the right time, of the right the right year too, right? Because I mean, Columbia River's really low elevation. You got to have the right right kind of weather for that, huh? Yeah, well, you actually get fairly high um, terrain pretty much all the way. You know, just a couple of miles before the Columbia, so it's not as challenging as you would think. Yeah, um, I plan on uh, hiking the the goat rock area this summer with my five and nine year old. So I'll be up, I'll be up in that yeah, area. It's a fantastic area. <laughs> yeah. I'm I started excited. exploring those at that age as well. So that's a good place to go and I love it. Yeah. Um, so to, what do you describe yourself as? Um, like say you run into somebody on the airplane or something and, and they say, Hey, what do you do? You know, what, what how do you describe yourself? <laughs> I just tell them I'm a photographer <laughs> um, at this point. You know, it's not an apt descriptor, but maybe I'll go insofar as saying I'm an adventure photographer, but that's <laughs> almost, <laughs> it's almost one of those jobs if you're on a date and a girl asks you, so what do you do? And you're like, I'm an adventure photographer. They think it's like one of those fake jobs. Perhaps. <laughs> <laughs> oh man. Yeah. So, I don't know. Maybe I need to come up with another, uh, another term for what I am. No, that's good. I mean, the the people that know you know that that's true. So I guess you know. Um, but what about then, as far as like a hobby? So do you do you fancy yourself a a skier over a mountaineer or a hiker? Or, I mean, what what do you call yourself there? I can never, uh, you know, really put a finger on any one of those things. Basically, I like to do any and all sports, no matter what they are, and just to get outside. So I guess. You know, I don't really say I'm a skier or a hiker or a biker or any of these sports or kayaking or anything else. It's just something that I do to get outside and in nature. What do you think uh, that people, because you've become kind of a, 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 you know, a legend, sort of. I mean, not, 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 I don't want to put legend on you. I don't want to label you, but what I'm saying is people know you, like you've been in magazines, you've been, you know, your photos are, are, are used for a lot of things. Um, who do you look up to then? Oh boy. 
it's kind of weird because I don't end up reading a lot of mountain literature or anything like that. I tend to read more novels and I read probably a hundred books a year. And so I tend to just get mixed up in stories and tales in that way, rather than kind of the stories of the mountains themselves. But I guess when I think of mountains, I think of those old timers I'd mentioned earlier, like John Muir and others who got to see uh, and explore and preserve the West in the way it's been, um, in the way it's been preserved till today, you know, and that's something I can really respect and kind of look up to, but God, there's just so many young people doing more and more these days that I'm just like, Holy smokes. It's amazing what these people can do. Not that I'm that old, but <laughs> you still, it seems like things move so fast these days. You know, a pair of skis 15 years ago never really got over a hundred on the waist, and now you got these things that are 140 waist. <laughs> They're skiing better than you ever did, and it's uh, shocking. Yeah. Well, when you've been on these uh, traverses and just deep, you know, miles away from any cars or anything and trails and. Um, have you ever ran into anybody in your, you, that you recognize out there or somebody that you maybe, uh, you know, that maybe have done something like this before? Well, it's crazy. You... I, I, never, I never run into other folks out there. It's very, <laughs> very rare that I meet anybody. And, and generally it's like, um, you know, if, if I run into people at all, it's at a trailhead or an exit <laughs> within a couple of miles of the car. Um, you know, there's a few folks like Lowell Skoog and his brother Carl that started exploring the Cascades on skis. There's um, other local folks who explored the mountains as well. And there's people that I ended up skiing with a bunch when I was younger who ended up doing their kind of own little adventures, you know, insofar as kind of ski mountaineering history there was a surge of folks that started exploring more of the steeper lines in the Cascades, you know, beginning in kind of the mid nineties through about 2000, maybe 15, 2010 or so before it started to kind of taper off. And so I look up to a lot of those, those folks who started to get out there and do cool adventures and also you know, when there used to be a lot of message boards and things like that, and people used to, uh, you know, there, there was that time between like 2000 and 2010 where people would write stories and they would share photos, you know, rather than today where it's like, here's a few photos and a couple of skier sentences, but that's it. You know, people were actually putting effort to write stories. So I really love that time because there were all these trip reports and people's stories and, I wish that would continue, but it's not. Yeah. I like that, man. Cause yeah, that's true. I mean, you know, yeah, the history people don't, don't realize in the moment, but yeah, they were, they were making history even though it wasn't that long ago. Um, what, uh, what about, did you, have you ever been deep like that and gotten injured or scared of something, you know, <laughs> I, I don't know well, why you'd be. I've had, I've had many, many close calls and, not necessarily injuries have been pretty fortunate in that regard, you know, besides little things that slow you down. But, uh, you know, I've had a lot of close calls and 
between avalanches, falling in crevasses, near drownings, everything else. But those are part of the learning experience too. And as I've gotten older and more experienced, those kinds of risks, um, I, I mean, they're always out there. They haven't necessarily lessened, but I kind of understand where those pitfalls are and tend to avoid them a lot better than I used to when I was young. Um, we didn't have in Washington here kind of a community of ski mountaineers as maybe, you know, there's just a lot more now and people get to teach other people and, and so forth. We kind of learned on our own. And so that was quite a bit different. And so I think a lot of younger skiers gain from our experience and our understanding and our way of moving through the mountains. Um, Cause we do it quite different here in Washington than in a lot of other places. And you know, I'm not going to get into all the complexities of why we do the way <laughs> the things the way we do, but it is different and it comes with its own risk, especially if you don't understand kind of how everything works. What, uh, what do you have to say to some of those, uh, you know, younger adventurers? Uh, do you have any words of wisdom? Well, <laughs> words of wisdom. Yeah, I mean, unfortunately, the mountains, the mountains always are great at teaching you the things you need to know. All you have to do is open your eyes and ears and, and look out there and, and see exactly what they're trying to tell you because they'll tell you if you're being stupid. They'll tell you if you're taking too much risk. And fortunately, if you're lucky enough to get away with it, you'll learn from those experiences. Um, but hopefully... Like I said, there's that kind of community of skiers learn from their mistakes or my mistakes rather than <laughs> making mistakes on your own. Yeah, that's good, man. I like that. All right, a quick little break here to uh, show some support with these sponsors. This is Waymark Gear Co., Waymark Gear Company, waymarkgearco.com. I want you to go over there and check out all the little ways that you can edit your pack. You know, basically um, you know, spark it with some colors here and there. And I'm telling you, I don't know the exact number, but there's got to be at least 20 or, or more ways that you can change a color on this pack. And it's so cool. And and you can also change the, the um, pockets around. You can make one long pocket on the side for, like, your longer items. Um, you could add straps if you wanted to, uh, though, of course, that adds weight or whatever. Uh, it really, you can just build your own pack based on these, um, on on what he's got set up. Or That's Mark Benson over there at Waymark Gear Company. And uh, I'm on the website right now just kind of messing around. I think you guys should go check that out. I wanted to kind of throw out some some of the prices. I mean, he's got 38 to 40 liter, 42 liter packs on there for 195 is where they start. And uh, you know, fifty liter pack starts at two twenty five. Please go over there and at least just check it out. And uh, hey, tell them the Cascade Hiker Podcast sent you. Thanks. And so, uh, you know, just kind of tell listeners. And so, you have a, a book, is that correct? Yeah, and I'm actually working on some others. But that was my first uh, attempt. Uh, it's called Alpine State of Mind, and like I said, it's kind of a story book. And it's something I put together during, I think it was 2015, 2014, 15, when the weather was super bad and we didn't get any snow in Washington. I was sitting <laughs> home and I was like, God, I need to do a book. You know, it'd be really cool to do. And so I put up a Kickstarter that day and people within about 12 days or so contributed, I think about 14, 15 grand to it. 
And then I was sitting there, I was like, holy crap, I need to write a book now. So within a few <laughs> months, I'd put one together. And I ended up sharing three different stories about just trips through the Cascades. So wow. it really concentrated on just basically 25 days in the Cascades and the stories surrounding those particular adventures. It was more just an inspiration to get out and explore our backyard. That's kind of what I was hoping to do with that book. Yeah, and you've got uh, a lot of your pictures in there as well? Oh, yeah, absolutely. There's probably 200 different pictures in there. Nice. Well, I'm actually uh, I've added it to my cart right now off your website, and I'm gonna I'm gonna be purchasing that myself. That's awesome. Uh, awesome, appreciate it. it. Yeah, yeah, uh, it looks amazing, and uh, some of the pictures just previewed right there just look really good. So, um, you know, I encourage people to go check out the website alpinestateofmindjournal.com. Um, I mean, I, I I don't even want to say a website because you got so many. Just uh, just type your name, Jason Hummel, in the in the Google, and and man, you're gonna come up with a lot of stuff. Definitely. I appreciate it. Where do you normally send people, uh, like Instagram or? God, I don't even know. I'm terrible at social. <laughs> it's just one of those things I, I do as a default. It's like, oh, God, I guess I should do some of this stuff. So I have. <laughs> <laughs> right on. But, you know, Facebook's sort of dying these days. And Instagram's just, you don't really have that much of a, um, oh, what would you say? Uh, interaction. It's basically people reacting. They like something, or they may comment at best, but they're not going to push on a link or do anything beyond that. So it's kind of this surface communication. Is it? So yeah, it's weird yeah. how all that stuff works. Yeah, I don't like that they don't have that. But, you know, people are starting to go over there a lot more. And, and you have pictures, and Instagram is good for that. So, <laughs> Yeah, definitely. I've managed to. I, I started really late in the game on that front because I didn't have a smartphone. So <laughs> it didn't really help. <laughs> well, listeners, go go find them on Instagram, and we'll, we'll get you some followers there. <laughs> right on. Right well, on. Jason, yeah. thanks so much for taking your time and coming on the Cascade Hiker Podcast. No problem. It was great to talk to you. All right, that's the show. Thanks so much for tuning in. Don't forget to join the Patreon page. Find me at patreon.com slash cascadehikerpodcast. Also, hit me up uh, with an email, rudy at cascadehikerpodcast.com. Find me on Facebook. My Facebook page is Cascade Hiker Podcast. Twitter, find me at in underscore Cascade Hiking. And I'm Cascade Hiker Podcast on Instagram. Thanks, Whiskey Fever, for letting me use this track here, Tall Grass, off their album, Gonna Wake Up This Old Town. Go find them at ReverbNation.com slash Whiskey Fever. Hey, see you next week. You were sweet like honey on a heartbeat. You were fine like wine in the sunshine. I could feel you coming on strong. Could never be wrong. Could never be wrong. See you're laying down in the tall grass. Playing mandolin in a white dress So come running when I hear that song